Hello and welcome. Hey guys, buckle up for a new episode of Buddha is Calling podcast, the one and only podcast made for anyone like you to discover how to live a life with intention and find the true purpose of your life. Whether you're a student, a mom, a working professional, an entrepreneur, or the president of any country in the world, if you're someone trying to find your true calling, you're sure to pick up tidbits of actionable advice when you listen to Buddha is Calling podcast. As we begin this journey with season one, you're in to experience true transformation through personal stories of our guests that include famous life coaches, fitness experts, entrepreneurs, inventors, songwriters, and many other success enthusiasts as they share the details of their life stories and unravel the moments when they found the true purpose of their lives. Stay tuned till the end of each episode where we discuss the changes that you can make in life right now that help you to discover your true calling instantly. So welcome once again to Buddha's Calling Podcast and enjoy the episode. Before we start, make sure you follow us on our social media channels on Instagram, Twitter and YouTube at The Way Buddha is Calling Podcast to continue being a part of this conscious and elevated tribe. Let's begin. Hello, welcome once again to yet another episode of Buddha is Calling Podcast. Today we have with us a very special guest. We have with us Mr. Simon, who's a spiritual life coach and he specializes in therapies like hypnotherapy and there's a very interesting therapy that he specializes in which is craniosacral therapy so we're very pleased to have you on our show today um, we have an audience that is extremely conscious of and they want to live a more seasoned life so over to you simon we would love to know a bit about your story um, how you got started on this journey all about it chirika thank you for inviting me it's such a pleasure to be here um so well how i started um i started with the, the craniosacral really um and that came about when my son my first son was born which was he's uh grown up now and flown and <laughs> he's a chef actually um but when he was born um, 25 years ago uh he had was having difficulties he was having difficulty um feeding he was distressed and the midwife said to his mother and myself have you heard of craniosacral therapy and at that time i hadn't and i wasn't really in a very aligned place really, in terms of holistic work or spirituality. In fact, I was rather skeptical of all of this stuff. But we were kind of desperate at the time and took him along and this very kind, very gentle man just placed his hands on our son, our newborn son, and I was holding him. And I could sense myself going, you know, he's not doing anything here. This is a waste of time, complete waste of time. And all of a sudden, after about uh, probably five or six minutes, he suddenly said, ah, there we go. And our son just opened his arms and his whole body and something transformed 
literally before our eyes. And I knew then that I had no idea what this was, but it was a transformational moment for me. Beautiful. And my kind of interest began there. I, it, it was a couple of years later when um, I was still visiting craniosacral therapists and beginning to align to the possibility of just so much more than I'd, I'd ever imagined. But I then became seriously ill. And uh, in fact, I lost my speech and mobility and spent three years in a wheelchair. And it was from that place that somebody had picked up a leaflet and about a, tr a training in craniotherapy and uh, craniosacral therapy. And for one of those moments of a, of a knowing, an inner knowing, that even in the condition I was in, which was unable to work, unable to get around, I knew I, that was my next thing. I needed to train in craniosacral therapy. So I began this journey from the wheelchair and from there, it's been a lifetime ever since of just studying, moving into the shamanic work, um, including the hypnotherapy, homeopathy, and a lot of meditation. You know, meditation and craniosacral therapy are very aligned. It's a kind of expression of the spirit through the body. Craniosacral therapy is a body therapy. For those that don't know, it comes from osteopathy originally, and it became a specialist area in osteopathy that was sometimes called osteopathy in the cranial field or cranial osteopathy. And in about the 1960s, it became a specialist study in its own right, this very gentle form of healing, of orienting to the inner movement, fluid tides within the body. We sense a, a movement that all the cells expand and contract like a breath. And we often talk of this as being the breath of life. And it's like a physical expression of what we also know in other uh, meditative or spiritual practices, be it prana or chi. This underpins all the work. And for me, that quality, that craniosacral quality, which is a physicalization, has that deep spiritual it's like the, the meditative spiritual quality embodied. So all the stuff that I do now, which is psychological, psycho-spiritual, still has that involved in it. Amazing. I'm, I'm just loving the depth of uh, spiritual and psycho-spiritual work that you're, you've gotten into, which, can, which is able to touch so many lives now. And um, of course, you you specialize with so many therapies and uh, each of them have their own benefits. When you talk about meditation, when you talk about the different aspects of craniosacral therapy, the different, they're all a specialized field in itself. I would really love to know, and I, I'm sure that will add a lot of value uh, to a lot of members of the audience here is how was that transition from being in the wheelchair and getting the strength within yourself to train yourself to train yourself and then become an expert on this well um 
There was a, a moment, if I kind of wheel back to when it, when it uh, started, I was working in another industry entirely. I was working in theatre and music, in fact. And I was coaching singers at the time and composing and doing all sorts of stuff. So losing um, the ability to communicate through the voice was a, was a kind of profound change. And it started through stammering and over a three-week period became convulsing and losing the ability to control either speech or limbs. But there was a moment, strangely early in the process, and I, I didn't know I was going to get better, I didn't know things would be okay, but there was something like a knowing, we could call it a voice or a knowing, and it's very interesting you say it's a mindset, because I would take it one stage deeper than that and say there is a, a spiritual knowing even before the mind comes into play. And I knew that whatever happened, I was okay. There was something within this that was okay. And that didn't mean that I would necessarily be physically okay. I didn't know that. But there was something about the whole process that was okay. And I began to get sensations around particular words. I think I was reading, I was able to read uh, for brief periods. And I was reading one of uh, Deepak Chopra's books at the time. And there were certain words that came up would bring physical sensations that were kind of became increasingly familiar as I studied the craniosacral. And even now in meditation, I, I kind of refer back to that physical sensation. We can talk a little bit more about that um, maybe in a minute. But in answer, the simple answer to your question is that I was blessed with a moment of just knowing that I was okay, whatever happened. And so when the moment came when the piece of paper arrived and said, this is a training, it, I didn't have to change my mindset. I just knew I had to make it happen. In fact, the difficulty making it happen, because this was a couple of years into the uh, illness, by this time I'd actually lost everything. I'd lost my home, um, no longer had property. And um, the, unfortunately, the, the relationship, uh, the marriage had broken down. And from an apparent place of kind of nothing, which, you know, is, again, a, a remarkable thing when we look back, is, has a great kind of clearing effect. I had one possession left from my previous life, which was a grand piano. And this grand piano was housed in a local church and they, they were looking after it with a uh, kind of exchange agreement that it could be used for concerts. And I just knew that as that was what I had, that was what I needed to sell in order to do this training. So I sold the last thing I had, the piano, in order oh to God. begin this journey. And it felt such the right thing to do. And it was, wow. you know, one of the, the best decisions I ever made, as it were. But it was made for me. It just felt natural. 
And that path then was a healing path. You know, most therapists um, have a form of therapy and receive therapy as they train. It's yeah. part of the whole thing. And this whole journey was healing for me whilst learning these healing techniques. So from what could very easily be taken as a, a kind of place of desperation, Strangely, it was a place of healing in so many ways. Beautiful. The most amazing part of the story is it's so relatable with the current times that we are in, which is, you know, the last one year has been super cathartic for everybody. And uh, a lot of tough decisions uh, have been made and everybody's had to take those tough decisions in line and so attuned with your intuition at the time that you knew what needed to be done and it came with so much ease because also like to go a little deeper with that story because I think a lot of that is also aligned with your sense of self. How do you derive the sense of self um, to be truly confident in yourself and to believe that in the end everything will um, kind of fall in your favor? It will work out in your favor so how do you derive that mm. sense of self well it's a, it's a wonderful question Jerica. um uh, there's no um you know i don't want to give the impression that from that moment everything was just like a you know a, a flowing spiritual uh, <laughs> uh <laughs> simplicity um you know i like everybody else the, the kind of human frailties um, came into play and I, I made some good choices and some bad choices and at times I was uh, felt aligned and at times I went way off the rails um, and so it, there is still a journey within that yeah. that, that uh, with each therapy, with each process um, we learn, we draw um, we, and, and that's I think is what has been enabled me to come back to uh, a, a more aligned place in, in that I, I kind of often say within my um, groups that I run, for example, um, there is no one way. There isn't, you know, if we, if we latch on to just a way, uh, it becomes almost like latching on to a doctrine and, and we'll actually find it harder to get to where we want to get to. There's no one single way. And so I've found over the years that drawing on the, the aspects that have really spoken to me and then spending time reflecting, meditating, trying to understand how they are in many cases, the same thing. You know, we often use those analogies of, of uh, truth being within a diamond, and you look through the different faces of the diamond. Well, these different therapies, like the great spiritual truths, have at their heart a truth, a beauty, a spiritual dimension that, that we all seek, and that they can all point to them. I often say it's not the therapy, it's the therapist or the space that is whole. It's the loving presence that enables us to process, to move deeper on our journey. And at the bottom of all of this for me is 
meditation. You know, meditation is a, a core aspect, of course, of every spiritual tradition, but it's also a kind of core aspect of all holistic practices. In many ways, all the holistic practices, whether it's craniosacral or whether it's aromatherapy or reflexology or traditional Chinese medicine, they have a quietening about them, a stilling of the system that aligns with meditation. It's like each of them is a, their own expression of meditation. Uh, and certainly with the shamanic practices, I, I'm trained in shamanic homeopathy. You know, the, the, these are expressions, these visualizations, these journeys are meditative journeys into ourselves, into our spirit or our soul. And all of these things align. So what I try to do when I now when I work with people and still love discovering new aspects that you know I see something and go that that's the same thing that's that's just in a different form. It, it enables uh, it enables us to have a kind of scaffolding a, a a place to hold on to when the one practice that initially feels that works for us, that takes us to a new place, becomes, eludes us. We all have it. We have it in meditation. We sit there and it's going beautifully and then the thoughts crowd in and then the second day it's not as easy as the first day. The, by bringing the different possibilities, we have a different way for where we are on that day or in that stage of our life to still align to that truth, to still deepen towards that sense of healing and truth. Because healing, in the end, is always on a spiritual level. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, healing, of course, is uh, one of the core aspects of putting that energy behind you and moving forward. To add on that, I want to know a lot of people, even though they would last one year, a lot of people have started on the spiritual journeys. They want to invest in their own uh, mindset and they want to invest in their own spiritual uh, well-being, so to speak. Mm -hmm. And um, yet for a lot of us who are still yet um, trying to identify with what are the spiritual practices that would work for them and uh, they also kind of have a sense of feeling lost uh, because they're just too early on in their journey and they're yet to identify what their true calling is and what their true purpose is um, and what what would your suggestion be for people like that like um, what can they do um, in order to just be at it, keep at it, and eventually land up where they want to be? That's a lovely question, and I agree with you. I think the, the, the year that has just kind of gone has been an extraordinary year of spiritual uh, awakening for many people. Um, it's been very powerful, and, and that's partly why um, views, you know, there's also resistance in it in areas when that change happens you get resistance polarities of views um, and you see that kind of politically across the globe as well um, in terms of uh, aligning starting a journey well you mentioned yoga because i love yoga i i have a I, it's not something i teach but i i have a regular practice and i think it's a wonderful way of embodying 
and and preparing the body for spiritual practice. Um, and if you're if you're talking about somebody starting, then the early stages of meditation I think can be really helpful, guided meditation, and to just restrict the amount of time that you know there's there's often a misconception that meditation is a, is about practicing to see how long you can sit there and it really isn't you know five minutes ten minutes is plenty uh, there are, um you know if anybody would like it i i um or i offer a free guided meditation on my website you're really welcome to go over there and uh, download it it's a kind of starter gift of orienting to the chakras um and that commitment to just being still for that amount of time and not judging yourself if your mind's busy. So many people get put off by saying, oh, I can't, my mind's just too busy, I can't stay there, I can't stay with it. It's okay. It's really okay. Thoughts will come. Part of the process is a, a, a stage of allowing those thoughts to come and allowing them to go. And I would say, Learning to be still, learning to quieten. And meditation enables the nervous system to quiet, uh, in, enables the whole body to become more still. That is the beginning of connecting to our inner wisdom. And that will take you to the next stage. It may be through um, guided meditations. It may be somebody that you're drawn to. Uh, that you like what they talk about, so you try their um, particular style, and that they have programs that introduce other things, or it may take you in a whole different direction that you suddenly think, actually, what I need is a course in a particular aspect of spirituality, um, or even uh, exploring crystals or the uh, spiritual esoteric areas um, or uh, something with, that, that is either aligned with your culture or different from your culture you know that these can be uh, aspects that open us so I would say be open to see what comes to you I'm, I'm a great believer that the universe sends us guidance it sends us messages the difficulty we have is we don't always recognize it we don't always see it when it comes. So true. And becoming more still, opening our awareness, opening to the possibility that there are offers and opportunities for us is certainly the first stage. And I like to run programs. I mean, I, run, I work with individuals uh, for three or six months at a time um, that are really looking to kind of deepen their spiritual practice. But I also run programs from the outset for people that, for whom this is totally new. I, I put up free meditations or we do free group sessions. And then there are programs where people want to step in and do a little bit more. And that may be on a psycho-spiritual aspect. It may even be on the psychic aspect of opening to the spirituality of all that is other. Uh, or it may be on healing. 
That is so powerful. In fact, what you touched upon briefly during what you just uh, shared with us about the universe uh, sending us guidance. Personally, didn't know so much about it or I didn't feel too aligned with that till I started to meditate, which happened about mm. roughly about 18 months ago. And Wonderful. I've, I've seen a lot of changes for myself. Uh, but just for anybody, and of course, I did depend a little on mentorship and you know working with mm -hmm. people who were who who knew how to receive the guidance as well who how to be ready for it so mm. that that was my personal story but for a person who's not investing in mentorship so to speak help you to identify uh, the different layers of meditation and spiritual practices what would your advice be uh, for people in how can they be more sensitive to receiving the guidance that's lovely. Uh, it's a beautiful question. Um, I would say make a small commitment, just a small commitment. Don't try to uh, think of a goal. Don't th try to think of building up in time or don't try to think of uh, it needing to be somewhere with a deeper spirituality. Just take the step of saying, I'm going to spend 10 minutes, 10 minutes every day being quiet without any expectation or need to receive messages, offers, change. And make a commitment for a period of time, maybe a month or three months for every day. And only then, only then look back and think, what is different? Because when we look for the change at the time, we kind of get caught up in the wrong area of seeking. Because the whole aspect of spirituality, meditation, the spiritual journey, if you like, it's almost the opposite of seeking. It's opening to receive. I love that analogy uh, that sometimes comes out about trying to tune your radio dial to receive the program, whatever it is. And the whole point of kind of tuning in is that the signal's already there. It's already coming through. And we just have to be in the space of quietness to receive it. So I would say, as much as possible, let go of outcomes. Don't try to be the best meditator. Don't try to be, uh, 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 become a, a deeper spiritual being. Just commit to being there, showing up. There's a beautiful thing with artists. I often work with creative artists um, because of, of my background in terms of inspiration. And you know, in the, in the Middle Ages, they never talked about a person being a genius. They talked about a person being visited by genius, as if genius was a spirit. And, um, you know, there are composers that will talk about not composing a tune, but remembering a tune, as if it's coming from some greater whole, some cosmic memory. And the sense of inspiration we can never wait as a, an artist can never wait for inspiration 
you actually just have to turn up. You have to make the commitment to be there to start. And if inspiration comes, then that's a blessed day. If it doesn't, that's okay, because you were there, you were available for it in case it arrived. That is beautiful what you just shared, especially with the artist, a lot of the artist community that you work with and help them find their own true calling. It's been lovely chatting up with you, but we cannot and let you. And you. <laughs> Thank you. But I cannot let you go without, and coming to the last segment of the show, which is to do with the call to action. So uh, in general, we, we spoke about so many practices that people could do on a daily basis, like meditation, finding quiet, even if, you know, just for five minutes in a day or working with crystals. Mm -hmm. But what um, are those maybe one or two simple aspects that people can include in their daily rituals that will help them get closer uh, to their spiritual self? I love that. Um, I would say that align to the successes that you have every day and you know when we there, there's a there's a thing that it's a quite a modern thing to set goals have aspirations and it's great it's a wonderful thing to to have somewhere to aim for but very often the key to really moving in the direction of where we want to go is to recognize that we are having wins all the time that we are achieving all the time because it's the feeling of that that changes how we are so if we align just for 15 minutes 15 seconds every so often and i mean just 15 seconds to pure positive thought something that isn't associated with other areas of your life just that brings pleasure and you align your feelings to that sense of pleasure, positivity, happiness, without having to do a positive mantra, but you are aligning your spirit to positive, pleasurable outcomes. And recognize each time you achieve something, even if it's cleaning the cupboard, even if it's getting to work on time, even if it's, yeah, I feel good today, why is that? Align to those things within your daily life. And I guarantee that that in itself will start to become a habit, a habit to align to positive feelings, a positive identity, a new identity. That is incredible. Thank you so much, Simon, for sharing that. It has been wonderful chatting with you and there is so much more that we would love to discuss but unfortunately we're time bound. And, of course! Uh, <laughs> so, but it's been wonderful. Thank you for sharing those wonderful insights and do a bit about your business. Side away, can they go and reach out, uh, be a part of your tribe as well? Yes, oh, my website is uh, is my full name which is Simon Edgerton. Now, it looks like Egerton. In fact, if you read it all together, it looks like Simone Gurton. So <laughs> SimoneGurton.com, but it's actually pronounced SimonEdgerton.com. So you'll find me on the website here, you know, now to serve. That's why I do what I do um, to help people, you know, and if I'm not the right one, I know people that may be aligned to what you are looking for. So, yeah, I really look forward to connecting with 
more and more people that uh, are on this wonderful journey. Amazing. Thank you so much for sharing that. And it's it's a pleasure to have somebody on the show who's so beautifully attuned to the true calling and the purpose of their lives. So thank you for sharing all the details and all the tips. You're very welcome. Thank you for having me. It's been such a pleasure to talk with you. You've reached the end of another episode of Buddha is Calling podcast. Connect with us on Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube at the rate Buddha is Calling podcast, your favorite podcast on finding your life's purpose and identifying your true passion is available on all leading podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, and Google podcasts. Do not forget to leave us a review and share your favorite part of the episode. See you at the next episode where we continue on this mission to help you find your life's true calling.